I'm Elise Orlowski, a senior video director here at Kramer. And I'm Trip Underwood, a creative director at Kramer. And at Kramer, we work with so many incredibly fascinating people from all over multiple industries. We have so many great conversations, many that are just too good to keep to ourselves. So now we're sharing them with the world. Right here from Kramer Studios. This is Pivot Points. Welcome to another episode of Pivot Points. We're changing things up a little bit today. I'm not Trip. I'm Mark Wilson, the Executive Creative Director here at Kramer. And I am joined by my co-host, Pat Drum, who heads up all things technology uh, with regard to broadcast at Kramer. He's our Senior Engineer of Broadcast Technology. Uh, thank you, Mark. Today, we are speaking with Brian Olson, Pixitope's VP of Sales from the North America Division. And I'm, I personally am very excited to have Brian here because we actually employ the technology and he is a wizard and a genius. He's going to tell us all kinds of really amazing, cool stories about where it's headed. But he has a little background on Brian. He's got more than 20 years of experience in virtual technology and graphics. And at Pixito, Brian and his team are bringing this technology. It's an award-winning global international technology. And he is bringing this software to his clients to help them better tell their stories using augmented reality. So thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. We really appreciate your being here. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for coming, Brian. So, Brian, for those that may not be familiar, what is Pixitope? You know, has this technology been used anywhere that our audience may have seen? So, Pixitope's a, a virtual production platform. Uh, we utilize the Unreal Engine. We actually incorporate that into our software, and that's what does the actual rendering. But we're focused on, on really designing software that's for the broadcast and media production industry. So while Unreal is, is a gaming engine, uh, we are taking uh, that in and adding our own uh, user interfaces and workflows to simplify the process for media creators to, uh, to do production. So they can focus on getting the work done and not, not uh, messing with the technology so much. Um, we also recently acquired a tracking company, TrackMen, and we're integrating that with our software. So ultimately it'll be a single user interface uh, that the, uh, the, the user deals with both for rendering and for tracking. So again, the goal is to simplify uh, the experience to sort of democratize uh, virtual production, make it more accessible for more people. So it's not just, you know, the very high end that are doing it anymore. So more markets, more use cases, because um, we really believe at Pixotope that ultimately all production is going to be virtual um, as broadcast and feature films and gaming all sort of merge into just kind of a common uh, media experience. You talk about accessibility from the user standpoint, and we mm -hmm. definitely witnessed that when we were able to create a little iPhone GUI that you know, one of our guys was able to walk around the studio and when we wanted something to come in, literally just take his iPhone and touch, go in and the animation would come up and pop up and stuff like that mm -hmm. is the kind of thing that will set you apart for sure from other kinds of competition when the end user has that sort of simplistic interface. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, even since you guys have had it now, we, we actually have an HTML5 interface now, so you don't even need to build an app or, or use our app. All you need is a web page uh, to to trigger things, which could be on an iPhone, could be on an iPad, uh, whatever you want to do, and and could be remote as well. So I, I love the term to democratize virtual production. It seems to me that um, 
it's not just about cost and complexity, but it's about being able to utilize existing hardware. Mm -hmm. So it's not mm -hmm. so specialized uh, that it's inaccessible uh, to, to people who don't have a ton of budget to spend. Can you talk a little bit more about that technology and where it's headed? And, and um, sure. you mentioned trackerless technology, which I think we're all pretty excited about because that takes care of a lot of the headache, to be honest. Yes, it does. Um, talk about that accessibility mm -hmm. as in you know availability sure. and, and where it's headed. So um, a couple things. So uh, we don't have proprietary hardware, which uh, is a barrier, and there's usually some more cost associated with you know very proprietary hardware. Um, so it's it's COTS hardware off the shelf that people can use uh, as long as it meets the specs, and, uh, and they're really any kind of a a robust great, uh, gaming PC or a laptop will work right now. Uh, so we want to sort of eliminate that that factor. Um, we've actually been able to run in the cloud without uh, completely virtualized. So either private or public cloud, uh, which is going to create some new workflows. We haven't we haven't um, commercialized that yet, um, but uh, we do have that running. Um, as far as tracking goes, uh, we have a number of ways to track, but uh, the one that's probably got the most attention right now is, is what we call through the lens tracking, where you're operating without sensors. Um, it's really AI. It's all it's all computer based AI. Uh, you you basically take your your camera and you learn the environment through the AI. So it looks for reference points like edges of buildings or walls or sets, um, and just picks out those those points in three D space. And once it learns the three D environment, uh, then you can go place things in it. You know, augmented reality items, and they just stick. Um, and uh, one place that you've probably seen it a lot lately is in uh, drone tracking that we've been doing. Um, so that was that was used on the dra NFL draft. Um, some of the sports networks are using it. Uh, and that's that's really exciting when when you can actually fly a drone and then stick logos and, and different pieces of, of creative uh, to racetracks, to football stadiums, uh, float above venues. And uh, it, it adds a whole new level of production value, I think. And I think it helps, you know, viewer engagement, and and it also, uh, you know, ultimately opens up some sponsorship opportunities too for advertising. And I think we'll see it. Right now, it's been sort of uh, inf uh, informational or entertainment based in a lot of cases that we've seen it, both in broadcast and in venue. But I think uh, more and more you'll see it, see it used for advertising. Well, I feel like one of the most famous examples of augmented reality is the first and ten line right? When we're watching football games. And I don't think I can imagine watching a football game anymore, you know, without having that in there. Even when I go to a game, I'm like, where's the line? I need the line. Right? First best use of AR. Yeah. And that, and that technology has been around for a long time. And I remember, long you know, time. a couple of times that I've had to help integrate it for some college football that I was doing and just massive machines, you know, it creates delay and all this other stuff. And it becomes this production headache that, I'm hoping we're going to start seeing, or not start seeing, it sounds like it's already starting to go away and things are going to start being a lot simpler and easier. It's, it's much easier than it used to be. And, and a lot of things can be done optically now um, instead of uh, with sensors as far as tracking that stuff. Um, also, the, the technology to do the keying, um, 
don't know if you've ever tried to watch a football game when it was snowing and trying to keep <laughs> yeah. the uh, the first and ten going. Mm-hmm. And you, you, they're sort of dynamically adjusting it as as more snow falls and you know, right. the grass um, is changing color. Exactly. So now there's there's stuff behind you know besides basic you know uh, chroma keying uh, AI keyers that that look at difference that look at movement that uh, you know really can do some amazing keying now that that wasn't possible before. So I think that's that's changing things and making it a bit easier to do. Well, you, you certainly have done a good job at eliminating a lot of the barriers to entry for this uh, kind of technology, because beforehand. In, in the broadcast world, you're, like you said, buying dedicated hardware, you're buying motion trackers, which we've kind of invested a lot of that in. But now you're able just to take any drone off the shelf, fly it in the sky, map a couple of points, and all of a sudden you're putting advertising that you can make money off of it, uh, which is pretty fantastic. And then even for, again, for our standpoint, any off-the-shelf hardware that can do the processing, we're using hardware that we have anyways that our animators are using to create and generate graphics. Mm-hmm. And now we're able to put people in virtual worlds with it. Uh, those are the exactly. great examples. You're just making me think. We're always looking for what can we do inside a ballroom, outside a ballroom, experiential, broadcast. But if we're able to, in a relatively inexpensive manner, uh, put a drone in the sky and do something, you know, for uh, the time period when, when we have audiences moving from one venue to another venue, when we're doing things at night, if we're, if we're, you know, running a large festival like that, that just opens things up to us in a, in a pretty, pretty dramatic way. I hadn't really thought about that as a use for Pixito, but that's pretty, pretty inventive because we're, I mean, we're all in the business of what's the next great idea. How can we make the experiences even more robust, mm-hmm. even more interesting? And I think having conversations with you and people like you, it's only going to help us and help everybody who who watches this podcast to come up with those ideas. So, what what have you what have you seen? What have you done that you're really excited about uh, in terms of how people are applying Pixtope? I know how we're using it here in the yep. studio in a couple of the different ways, but what really kind of gets mm. you going? Like, it doesn't have to be so far out there, but just like really cool mm. stuff. You know, we, we've seen your demo page, and you, you talked mm. earlier when we were warming up about the Ravens, and I and I love that because if you haven't seen it and maybe at the end you can give a URL so people can go uh, go look at your samples but uh, it's a lot of fun so hit us what do you like what do you got so I mean actually we, we've been talking about it. the drone tracking is what's you know really exciting for me where I can actually go I'm in a bar and I look at a TV and I and I see drone tracking and I go yeah that's that, that's pretty cool um, but I, I think um, you know, for venues, I think the mixed reality stuff, the augmented reality in venues where you've got, you know, something like a, a Raven uh, for the Baltimore Ravens or a, a Panther for the Carolina Panthers, you know, running around, jumping, you know, from the press box down to the, to the field and and jumping through the goalposts and, and just that kind of, I mean, then you're getting into sort of feature film like, you know, uh, animation that's happening in real time for the for the people in venue. Um, you know, I think uh, from a production standpoint, um, you're probably aware that uh, at least in, in a lot of uh, cinematic production now, they're, they're starting to do stuff with large LED, va- LED volumes, LED panels. Um, and uh, in lieu of shooting in the field, they're, 
they basically have camera tracking and as they move the camera, uh, the point of view changes on the background as, as it would in the real world. And we've, we've had some estimates, you know, may or may not be true that, that you can save up to 60% on, on a production by shooting XR extended reality versus shooting in the field. Well, Obviously, I think there's I, the, I have an, the initial I have an investment. I, th I think this podcast right now is an excellent example of that. It looks like we're at our bar, Reds, but... <laughs> I thought you guys were in a real studio there. We are good. in a real studio. It's just, we're just not at Reds, which we, <laughs> yeah, we no. should be. <laughs> we should be at Reds, yeah. But, but I think, you know, your uh, democratization, virtual production, uh, you just talked about Hollywood. That's something that we're doing here. You know, this is a simple example of using a backdrop to create a little bit of an illusion of being in a space. But it's also something that we're playing with kind of constantly. Uh, Mandalorian is always the example everybody uses of the virtual production process. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm sure you're seeing uh, is how people are using the Pixitope technology and Unreal Engine to both create backgrounds that give you the ability to parallax with camera pretty easily, mm -hmm. but put you in an environment and you add a few practical elements and people. And man, that's an illusion that looks fantastic. You sell yeah. the illusion so much, uh, so much easier. Especially if you have shallow depth of field, yeah. you know, where, where the background's pretty blurred anyway. It, it, you can sell it big time. And if they actually mix uh, shooting in the field with shooting with XR, then it, it takes it to another level too. And um, the average person just isn't gonna know. Um, I mean, it's that good right now. And uh, I, I think that's that's super exciting and things that are not possible practically, they're gonna be able to do virtually now, um, you know, in some cases without green screen, if they've got the, the big XR stages. And I, I think that, that sells even better than green screen does. does so. and, and I like the fact that we're talking about doing it economically, sort of small, medium, large, extra large. We're talking about mm -hmm. big venues like stadiums and arenas, but we also want to talk about ballrooms and theaters, and then we want to talk about pure mm -hmm. production. Yeah, I think a lot of that is just kind of demystifying this technology and yeah. just kind of figuring out, all right, how does it apply to me? How can I use it in my own production world? And just kind of being able to do that sort of thing. A question that we were talking about before the show is like, who's leading out there? So are there sectors of the industry that you're seeing that are really pushing this along, that are trying more, that are adopting it more readily and more quickly? What are you seeing out there in terms of industry leaders and industry sectors? So there's there's the industry sectors and then there's also the geographies. So with industry sec sectors right now, most, most of what we're doing or a good share of what we're doing is events. Um, events and sports, you know, um, and they're, they're using uh, augmented reality, mixed reality to add another layer to the experience um, for the viewers, for the fans. That's where we see a lot of it. Um, in, um, and as far as virtual production, where you're using virtual sets, um, set extensions, that type of thing. In North America, we've, we've probably been the slowest to adopt of any region with respect to that. And I would say Asia is probably the, the fastest. Um, so I, I expect to see a lot more uh, virtual production beyond just uh, you know, augmented reality in North America going forward as, as it becomes more of a more commonplace to do production this way. So we, we operate in a world where I feel like a lot of our people, our techs, our freelancers, they like to trust in the things that they know. You know, they have mm -hmm. a show that they have to make 
air or to, to please a client, whatever, and you're only as good as your last show. So what would you say to the people who need convincing that this is worth trying and going and taking a risk for? I mean, that's that's a tough thing, whether somebody's been burned by virtual production in the past or it's just completely new and, and totally foreign and scary. But what I would say to, you know, an average customer is, um, you know, given the use cases of where, where this is being used and, and uh, the things that are possible. Um, and we as a company, uh, you know, try to, to support our customers, not just in pre-sales, but after the fact as much as we possibly can and help them grow. Um, it's usually baby steps. You know, let, let's start small and, and work our way up. Let's not, uh, let's not build Star Wars on our first production here. Uh, let's do a little bit of augmented reality or something. And then as they get more comfortable with it, they'll, they'll do more with it and, and start to see the possibilities. So if I were going to summarize, your, your message really is come back. Try it again. Hmm. You know, I, cause I think the message here is set your imagination free because anything mm-hmm. that you can do in Unreal, anything that you can think of, I mean, quite literally, we can now bring to the screen and we can do it quickly and we can make edits to it and we can do it in a way that's just really it's it's practical, it's functional, and it's 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 pretty awesome. I mean, the, what we can do now is very, very powerful, especially compared to what we used to be able to do. So uh, <laughs> let's all have some fun together because uh, it's certainly, and, and that's certainly where we're the, at. The operative word is fun. And Brian, we're, we're coming to the end of the program here. It's really all the time that we have. I want to just say thanks again so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Pat, your expertise. Um, thanks, everybody. And this has been another episode of Pivot Points. 